Hey, folks, it's a Sunday. That means it's time to jump into the Ben Shapiro Show mailbag. Reminder, you actually have to be a subscriber over at dailywireplus.com in order to have your question answered in the mailbag. Justin says, hey, Ben, I'm really considering moving to Florida. I'm looking for a church in the area I want to live in. I'm looking for a church that has a big young adult presence in order to build my community and my life. However, many of the churches that have a big young adult presence have participated in Blackout Tuesday during the height of the George Floyd protest. However, when these churches participated, the messages were more of the, we need to pray for peace, be united, the only hope is Jesus, don't hate anyone, similar messages like that. What are your thoughts on this? Would it be fine for a conservative to go to a church like this as long as they're not saying the woke slogans the left likes to promulgate? I don't want to go to a woke church. I need to be around young adults who are close to my age and similar in values. What would your advice be to a young conservative? Well, I'm not sure that that has to be the sole litmus test. So there are people who sort of, you know, Paid that like there are better churches and worse churches. There are certain churches where like I'm we're just not doing this nonsense. Then there are others who sort of did a generic, watered down version of Black Lives Matter. The sort of we should all be unified version of Black Lives Matter. And it's not ideal, but it also doesn't mean it has to be a deal breaker. You have to check out the other values of the church. I think that the the most obvious values of the church, if they are um into Pride Month, shall we say, this would probably not be the kind of church that shares your values. Ryan says. I was wondering what kind of legal, criminal, or civil options Trump has now that the report is out there. For criminal options, would the DOJ have to charge people, and what could they be charged with? If they have not to, or the statute of limitations has passed, does Trump have any civil options? So it's not up to Trump to criminally charge, right? You actually have to have some sort of criminal charging body, a prosecutor, the DOJ itself, charging. They decided not to. How about civil options? Could he sue for slander, defamation, etc.? If so... Who would that be directed at? The federal government, e.g. the FBI, the Hillary campaign, Perkins Coy, mainstream media outlets, Representative Schiff. We just saw Fox settle for a billion dollars for defamation. They kept spreading about Dominion. Some of these entities are still saying this is all normal and nothing bad happened. I mean, I, I think that he could have a pretty serious lawsuit on his hands against Fusion GPS for attempting to disseminate information that it knew was, was reckless at the very best. You know, I think that would probably be a worthwhile lawsuit. The Hillary campaign might be worthwhile at all. I'm not sure that there's a, a pocket there. Um, you know, Perkins Coy was the, the law firm for Hillary Clinton, so maybe. As far as a civil rights violation against the federal government, the FBI, I mean, theoretically, sure. I mean, Carter Page would have a pretty good legal case against the FBI for having put a FISA warrant on him for no apparent reason. Dara says, hey, Ben, I appreciate all that DW is doing to serve as a platform for the conservative viewpoint. Thanks for the clarity and perspective on current social issues and the coaching on how to effectively communicate our values when given the opportunity. My question is about recent comments I've heard concerning Governor DeSantis. More, more than one of the recent guests on Megyn Kelly have described DeSantis as somewhat narcissistic. Examples include that he's upset with being upstaged or uninterested in conversation that isn't centered on him and just generally not a very personable guy if he's not behind a microphone. I'm hoping for a candidate that can beat Trump. I want a person of integrity in the Oval Office. Is this even possible in our current political environment? Are we kidding ourselves that integrity ever mattered in U.S. politics? I, I'm not sure that that is an integrity thing. You know, the, the, the notion that DeSantis is uniquely narcissistic. So I, I've met Governor DeSantis multiple times. I've dealt with him at length. Uh, I, I've not found that to be the case, certainly no more than any other politician. I do think that the vast majority of politicians think very highly of themselves and believe they are at the center of the universe. Uh, I don't think that that you know, only applies to, to DeSantis or only applies to you know, any of the other candidates. It takes an awful lot of ego to run for president of the United States or to be successful politically. Uh, as far as not being very personable, honestly, it's one of the things I like the most about Governor DeSantis. He seems like when he is off the clock, he wants to be spending time with his family and his wife, which frankly to me is a lot better than most of our politicians who spend their nights carousing, boozing, hanging out with donors and, and generally you know, not spending time with their families. Ari says, 
Hey, Ben, love your show. I found a small issue with one of your recent episodes. I felt the need to address it. I'm writing this message to answer your recent query about why someone would record themselves at the gym. As a practice power lifter, I could think of a few reasons beyond the preparatory malice you've automatically applied. For example, she could be checking her form. Sometimes it's hard for a lifter to tell whether they've broken form in a lift without a third-person perspective, so they either have a friend help or record the lift. Similar, she could have been re- recording a personal record as a milestone for herself, something to record for posterity. So yes, lifters recording themselves is the thing. That's factual. While I agree that your interpretation is possibly even probably the accurate one here, it isn't always the case. Knowing this, will you re-examine your position on filming at the gym? I'll re-examine my position on filming yourself at the gym when it doesn't appear that you're waking, wearing makeup and booty shorts. Uh, that If you are there to set a personal record, then you know what you don't need to be doing is uh, dressing in very, very, very tight yoga clothing with bare midriff uh, and, uh, and a push-up bra. If you're doing those things, I doubt that you're doing this for all of the reasons stated before. I, I base this on the fact that the vast majority of people I know who are serious lifters, and I know some pretty serious lifters and serious athletes, when they are taking photos of themselves or when they are taking video of themselves, they tend not to be dressed as though they are Instagram models. Teen says, Hey, Ben, I keep coming across terms Leninism, Stalinism, Maoism, etc. when reading about different forms of communism. I'm wondering what the origin of these terms is, i.e., are they invention of communists trying to distance themselves from now notorious dictators? Is there another reason for calling these ideologies by different names? Thanks, love the show. So there are some distinctions between Leninism and Stalinism, for example. So Leninism was still the belief at the, at the, in its first origins that communism would spread internationally and that there was a duty to spread communism beyond the borders of the Soviet Union. Stalinism was much more directed at maintaining the idea that Soviet Union was going to be sort of the leader of the pack by domestic development of communism is going to be nationalist communism in a way that Lenin, you know, Lenin still had international ambitions in the early going, for example. Maoism, of course, was sort of a weird merger of fascism and back to agrarianism and, uh, and, and, you know, they, 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 it was, they, there are different variations and flavors of communism. Underlying them all is the central theory, which is nationalization of all mechanisms of production by the state and then redistribution of all resources based on those mechanisms of production. A pricing system that was run by a central technocracy that was going to decide what things should cost and how much you could have of them, right? All of these feature systems shared that, but they did have some ideological disagreements between themselves. Brendan says, hey, Ben, my wife and I are in the process of adopting three boys, all under three. We've been fostering them for over a year. During that time, the biological parents have done what seems like everything in their power to get us investigated, accused of uh, us of mistreating or neglecting their kids. Originally, we'd heard how much adoptive children benefit by having access to information about their biological parents. We were considering having some moderate but regular contact to facilitate healthy development. However, the constant complaining, reporting, and investigations have taken their toll over time and have really worn us down to the point where we don't trust the parents to have any information about our family they could potentially use to keep up these accusations after we adopt the boys. I feel like we can find some method of letting the boys interact with their parents, even if it's only a phone call once or twice a year. My wife and her mother wants us to cut them off entirely and let the boys reach out of their own volition when they're teenagers. What would you suggest we do? You have no obligation to expose your children to unhealthy influences. So if you are talking about parents who are neglectful enough that the kids ended up in the foster system and they continue to militantly undermine your relationship with kids, that allows them to be raised in healthy fashion, you have no obligation to connect them with the biological parents just because they're biological parents. If they want to when they're older, they certainly can, but I don't think that when kids are not old enough to understand this sort of stuff, you have to confuse them with it. All righty, we've reached the end of this mailbag, so we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.